Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and anime. I am Ryan Salisbury. This is Chris Nivens. Uh, today we are going to, uh, we, we were going to do a, a miscellaneous episode, but I ended up doing like a whole thing on uh, modern monetary theory, so I'm, I'm going to do that today. Um, because there was this article by Josh Barrow. Do you know who that guy is? I've heard the name like a bunch I've of times. I've heard the name. Let's, let's look him up real quick. I can just Josh Barrow. He's the cousin of Sabaro. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, I wonder <laughs> if he's related to Sabaro. Sabaro. <laughs> if your name was just S- okay, so he's a business columnist, and I think I think maybe I heard him mentioned on. <laughs> Wait, what? In early 2013, he was a prominent supporter of a potential trillion dollar coin. Uh, okay, we're going into this right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> some late findings, folks. This is like. People make fun of Zimbabwe for having like trillion yeah. dollar bills. This yeah. is Zimbabwe shit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and oh, he wrote an article against this MMT. Makes, yeah, this makes sense though. <laughs> okay. I mean, in a perverse, so, fucked up way. It's a concept that emerged as a proposed way to bypass any necessity for the U.S. Congress to raise the country's borrowing limit through the minting of very high value platinum coins. What the fuck? Because of the debt ceiling crisis in 2011. <laughs> Right, so they're like expecting the Zimbabwe situation, so they're like, oh, we should get a coin. Instead of being like, what if we like put our bankers in prison? They're like, no, yeah, let's what if just, we just make ignore a the different debt coin. <laughs> who to, gives a shit? Yeah, oh, like, guess who else? Guess who else? Let's, let's uh, forget that we have the largest this. military industrial complex in the world. Mm. Uh, our favorite person, Megan McArdle, wrote that minting a, mil- a trillion dollar coin neatly end runs GOP obstructionists but only by proving that the president himself has little respect for institutional restraints on his office. Cool. Cool. Yeah. The the brain god herself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so yeah, Josh Barrow, uh, who is some, he's a right. business lib that goes on MSNBC, lib. wrote an article on MMT. Uh, the article is a big piece of shit, mm. uh, basically. I'm going to be reading some, right. some parts of it. Not the whole thing, because it sucks. But, uh, yeah, so I'll just read this this one passage and then we'll comment on it. So while a conventional economic thinker might say that you establish a new government program and levy taxes now or in the future to pay for it, an MMT thinker would say you establish a new government program and the government prints the money to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean the MMT thinker thinks that the new program is free. The government is not constrained by its ability to obtain dollars, but the economy is constrained by real limits on productive capacity. If the government prints and spends money when the economy is at or near full employment, MMT councils, parentheses correctly, that this will lead to inflation and prescribes deficit-reducing tax increases to reduce aggregate demand and thereby control inflation. See how we have ended up back where we started? Ooh. Whoa, dude! Oh my god! Uh, so... To me, this is like saying that there's no difference between saving up to start a business and getting an interest-free loan to start a business because eventually you have to pay back the loan. <laughs> so, oh, well, eventually you have to raise the money. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, what do you think about this? Well, I mean, like, I, I like your comparison to, like, saving up versus an interest-free loan. Like, it amounts to the same cost. Yeah. Right. So, like, so, so, so this guy is basically, like, saying that i don't know this is this kind of reminds He's me like of like ignoring time essentially. yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> i was i was also gonna say like like there's the time issue and there's also uh if we want to go back to graber and like the moral aspect of debt thinking yeah 
you know, where it's like, oh, but debt is bad. And right. you're like, well, why is primitive accumulation in the Marxist you know, term good? Yeah. Right. Versus debt, which is what we are basically all forced to engage in. Yeah. All of us have to do debt. Debt is just right. primitive accumulation with extra steps. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, interest-free loan is like the ideal Sorry for the situation. Reference. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 uh, what you said. So, the the question is basically, you know. Uh, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> uh, so, so later terms. he says, now we are supposed to tell voters that taxes aren't for financing the government, but we need to raise them anyway so we don't overshoot an inflation target. Mm. Uh, no, why would you tell him that? That's weird. That's yeah. First of all, uh, MMT really specifically says that inflation would only happen if you're at full employment and then you continue to deficit spend. Right. So according to them, there's like a certain level where like essentially like we're behind the total utilization of, of possible of our possible productive capacity. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. by spending money, which is an unlimited resource that we could get closer to the full utilization of our productive capacity. And that if we continue to deficit spend after that, then that will cause inflation. I don't agree with this at all. This is just what MMT says. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, so there's no reason to like, he's basically saying that like, oh, there's like a downside eventually under a certain condition. So we need, we have to tell the, the voters the downside. It would be dishonest of us to, right. To leave that part out. But it, like, right. I mean, I guess it is, but not really. Cause like, that's not relevant if we're, we are well below full employment. So why would we say like, oh yeah, no, we could do Medicare, but, but, but wait, <laughs> but we could cause inflation if. Blah, 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 Something blah. happens. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's talk for the boardroom. You know, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about financial policy, fiscal policy We don't need to, we don't need to let those fucking rubes top. know what's really yeah. going on. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's like, if, if, if people are making these decisions from the top, like, fuck uh, talking about the, the, you know, all the, the ifs and therefores, because, you know, the flow chart is, is going to have, like, an almost endless... Uh, array of outcomes yeah. possible outcomes and in this case yeah like i mean as as much as i as somebody who studied political economy uh -huh. hate mainstream economics yeah. and all of its bullshit like both of all of our fields i should say and everything that you've read up on that i haven't necessarily um like accept that there's kind of an unlimited number of possible outcomes in any given like socioeconomic system because you're like well you know it's 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 like programming it's like uh it's literally almost like up to the imagination you're like well if then if then if then if then yeah you know and 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 here you're saying like well you can't propose a policy without explaining every last fucking detail of of potential outcomes I'm like, man, yeah, most like, people really don't give a shit. Most people, they don't give a shit and or if they give a shit, they don't necessarily get what is even going on, you yeah. know? And that's not to like shit on people's intelligence. That's not what I'm saying at all. Most people just don't care about they politics. They don't care about, yeah. Or, or they, um, especially like yeah. people who would be helped by these kind of like policies of mm -hmm. spending up front to mm -hmm. generate social wealth. Like mm -hmm. the people that that would affect the most like they don't have time to pay attention to the ins and outs of policy. 
Right. Because they're too busy worried about their paycheck. Exactly. Their rent, their medical bills, their their kids, like, fucking lunches and shit. Like, they don't care about, oh, well, eventually, uh, you know, it'll cause inflation. Most people don't even understand what fucking inflation is. Right. So... Right. I don't see any reason why we have to be like, now we we can do Medicare, but eventually we're going to have to raise taxes because of inflation. Right. You're going to be like, right. all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> Especially if people have a sense that um, current actions with consequences can be revised down the roads, down the, down the road by other actions that can mitigate those consequences, which is kind of... It's literally like what people have always tried to do in any given society, uh-huh. which is let's do this now. And then hopefully there will be like a limited number of bad outcomes yeah. and consequences. And then they're like, oh shit, I think that a bad thing will happen. And then they'll just like change their path slightly and change their path slightly and change their path maybe drastically a little bit. Um, but people with like a kind of a feeling that like, oh, we're in a, democracy with a number of term limited offices and stuff so it's they they think it's like clockwork and they think it's clean and so they have an idea that if we just elect the right people or back the right business people you know yeah then those consequences will correct themselves and that's actually to my mind a big part of the um you know objection on basis of needing to explain consequences because the real the real problems are in our power relations and so forth as well as actual scarcity versus like say false scarcity or or other things yeah you know so it's like if if you if your scarcity is based on like just printing money or 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 creating things by fiat Mm -hmm. like then fuck it, just create things by fear, yeah, you know? who cares? As long as everybody's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, um, these people that are objecting to, like, oh, well, we'll have to raise taxes later uh, mm-hmm. so we can control inflation, like, and that's why this is bad. Like, these same people, they don't, like, first of all, they don't care if, if people are suffering now because of a lack of government spending right. at all. Right. They don't give a fuck. Because if they did, they would be like, oh, this is actually a really great idea that, because mm-hmm. we can we can fix this problem now. So he, uh, what's his name? Barrow continues, the key question about MMT is whether expecting Congress to implement a novel model of economic management in a way that could go haywire is really the best way to address biases in economic policymaking when those biases could be addressed more directly. I love how specific this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh it's so possible. Specific. I, think, I think what he's saying is like, uh, oh, yeah, if we do uh, do the spending thing, then there could be like runaway inflation. <laughs> Maybe possibly. Right. The, all, all it's really saying is I don't trust other people, but I trust myself. Yeah. Which is like the dumbest shit. It's like everybody's like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have a friend who uh, I'm not going to name him because I still I like him personally. Uh-huh. I, th- I think he's a cool guy. Oh, yeah, totally. I have friends like that, too. Um, but he's he's <laughs> hellishly liberal. I'm uh-huh. surprised he even is a liberal because uh, he went to Mason for econ. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh my so he God. got that he got that uh that pure uncut austrian economics Ugh. uh the coke brothers shit the the co the cocaine the yes. cocaine yes <laughs> the- uh, he, he got the the pure uncut cocaine yeah 
and uh, ultra exclusive. Anytime I remember, like in the uh, the early two thousand tens, we would hang out and we would we'd start talking about politics, and I'd be like, I think that. Uh, I was like a. This is when I was like a TZM uh, Zeitgeist Movement guy. So mm-hmm, I'd be like, mm-hmm. I think that we should have a society where we just like use the resources that we have yeah, yeah. and basically do communism and yeah. like because what we're doing now is not working and like people are suffering. There's exactly. like war and slavery everywhere. It's really yeah, bad. Yeah. And he'd be like, Yeah, but like, okay, sure, that could that could be better, but but it could also be worse. <laughs> so I mean, there's really no way to tell which one it would be the better choice, <laughs> right? That was right. his, his oh my God. Like, objection to anything yeah, that I'm yeah. like, maybe we should make things better. But, He's it, like, could be but worse. it could be worse. Yeah, like, and this is what this guy's doing here. Uh, yep. Pretty much. Um, so, yeah. And then like th- these these people, this guy's ostensibly a Democrat, like a centrist mm, Democrat. Mm. So these people have spent the last 30 years doing so like nothing. So he's a rabid right winger is what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing nothing for the last 30 years in terms of creating major government Ugh. programs that spend lots of money. Um, mm. Other than, of course, the military. And um, oh, and ICE and all that shit, like mm-hmm. all those all those mm-hmm. bad programs that are for, uh, you know, fucking with people and destroying lives and stuff. Right. There's plenty of money for that. We have no problem expanding the spending for that. Mm-hmm. Surveillance mm-hmm. state, no problem. Oh yeah. Military, no problem. Gotta know that people are being responsible. Yeah. Foreign mm-hmm. foreign intelligence agencies, mm-hmm. no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, Medicare for all, that, that, that's no good. That's no good. No, I mean... It could go haywire. The thing is, if God wanted them to live longer, he would allow that to happen. <laughs> and uh, if he wanted them to be better workers and earn more, you know, he would enable that too. Um, and, that, and that's why Medicare, Medicare for all and, and similar ideas are just, are just bullshit. Because, will never ever come to pass. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and will never happen, you know, because that, and also, um, because people are selfish and greedy by default. So it's better to just compete with them endlessly. Right. Right. So if somebody's equally selfish to you and has a broken leg that they can't heal, well, <laughs> sucks to be them, you know, I <laughs> yeah, guess I, mean, I get you to both re- have equal opportunities. So yeah, yeah. Obviously, you even, both can like get own a landscaping company, for yeah. example. Like I will have, I will absolutely and readily have a million dollar foot race with the person in a wheelchair <laughs> because this is this is cosmic fate telling me that like if they really wanted that million dollars, they would wheel the fuck out of that chair. <laughs> now that I think about it, I kind of think that like uh, the the Democrat ideal, like like the centrist right wing Democrat ideal. Mm-hmm would be that like everyone in the country owns a landscaping business but the landscaping businesses are green yeah so they like oh, preserve yeah, totally. na- yeah. they're like preserving national parks with landscaping businesses yeah, yeah exactly making cute spaces and like yeah uh so the the conclusion of this article and i'm i'm going to go back to another line of the article but the the conclusion of this is is just great none of the countries that have that have single payer healthcare mm-hmm. needed mmt to make it work they did it the conventional way by taxing the public. <laughs> Maybe that's a sign that that's the best way to implement by such mastering programs. Mastering hordes of enslaved people. <laughs> or maybe it just reflects the fact that you'd still need to tax the citizenry to implement single payer healthcare, even with an MMT worldview. I just, I, uh, as you said, incredibly stupid. Yeah. I, I, sometimes you read something that causes your brain to actually stop and i'm experiencing that right now yeah i'm definitely um 
I feel dumber right now. Yeah. It, it reminds I, like, me. I can't even focus on the fucking yeah, notes. Like, oh my God. I'm just like, wow. What yeah. The fuck. Just because, because yeah. other countries did that. Right, that right. means that, that, that means that that's the only way to do it. Yeah. It reminds mm-hmm. me of, of, uh, a lot of shit that I, I studied in my, uh, uh, degree my my grad degree on like trade international trade and like international finance and and like finance in terms of like monetary policy and stuff yeah um as well as like people like countries it, trying to control their their currency and stuff it's like saying that um okay it's uh, just abusing the victim basically so other people have gone the victim. other people have gone from uh dc to boston right and what they did when they did that was they went straight through new york city mm-hmm um, and so it took them like 20 hours to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that's a sign that, you know, uh, that you just, you shouldn't, or maybe even you can't get to Boston by going around New York city. Right. It's impossible. <laughs> so <laughs> right. maybe we should just go through the city and take 20 hours instead of 10. Exactly. Exactly. Genius stuff. Genius. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, one line in here that I want to return to and expand on is, the strong argument against MMT is precisely the one you made, and I don't know who you is. I don't remember. Uh, that tax increases will be potentially difficult to carry out. Oh, Mason told me when I asked him about this issue. So, um, Mason. So, yeah, he says that... Uh, he basically quotes a guy who's quoting him. Yeah. Which so, is great. Right. Very good writing. Mm-hmm. And very good writing mm-hmm. on my part for putting that in another pair of quotes. Um <laughs> So the argument is that tax increases will be difficult to carry out and mm. you need tax increases to control inflation. <laughs> um, and that's a very strong argument because, you know, you need to control inflation. This is classic bullshit. So uh, how strong is this argument actually? Like, do we actually need to control inflation with taxes or anything for that matter? Um, <laughs> so like, in other words, it's government spending inflationary. So I looked up a bunch of studies about this, mm-hmm. quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, the first and uh, frankly the most cited one is from Niskanen, mm-hmm. who uh, everyone knows this guy. Yep, you know this guy. Yep, um, everyone in the audience knows this guy. But I'm, I'm just going to say it anyway. I'm going to say who he is. Uh, he is the top economic advisor for our favorite president, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> uh, so he did this study on on federal deficits and whether uh, deficit spending. And having a federal deficit and increases in the money supply, whether or not those increase inflation. Okay, so um, here's a quote from him: uh, Federal deficits, according to Buchanan and Wagner, increase federal spending uh, because they reduce the perceived price of federal services to the current generation of voters. Mm. So if that sounded really fucking stupid and nonsensical, uh, it, first of all, it is. But second of all, I'll explain it to you. So he's saying that uh, by spending at a deficit, you incentivize voters to prefer higher spending because they're they're like, oh well, the government oh, well, can deficit spend, so why don't right. they just like spend? Yeah. Oh, it, all the it's voters like the, are sitting there thinking about deficit spending. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Man, everyone knows what the deficit is at all well, times. In that case, I can be a profligate. <laughs> fucking you know libertine running around spending on you know i i went from having a wife to having a you know three wives and five mistresses you know and the I'm, government's paying I'm for caviar it, baby. on my cornflakes <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah because so, the government deficit. so the, the, this is really to me just a variation of the argument the classic conservative argument oh uh well if you make the minimum wage 15 dollars an hour why not 200 dollars an hour right where exactly. does it stop and and it's to me that's thing. like well then let's do it 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> do it. Oh, Let's who fucking cares? do it. <laughs> um, see what happens, motherfucker. So they, they say that uh, voters are incentivized to prefer higher spending, uh, which means mm-hmm. that they, they will want further higher spending later because they, they're like, oh, well, we can spend more. So why don't we spend even more than that? Yeah. Um, so they say this happens under one of three conditions. It could be any. Well, it could be any combination of these two. So one, voters are not aware of the future tax liabilities due to current deficits. So this is saying that, like, first of all, that deficits have to be paid back, right? Which they don't. Nope. Um, and that again, it's the all voter fiction. Is the thing that almost every voter knows, which is like knows knows in air quotes, mm-hmm. is that like, oh, well, government spending has to be offset with taxes. Oh yeah, they don't I know mean, that. They're too stupid. I learned that in first grade in my arithmetic class. (laughs) Uh, If you plus, uh, you have to have a minus. Yeah, it was on my lunchbox. It's like valence levels, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, Two, voters discount the future tax liabilities at a higher rate than the interest rate on federal debt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are all words that voters think about. Yeah, again, again, to translate that, uh, what he's saying is that when we spend at a deficit, that means that we take out a loan, and the loan has an interest rate. And if voters prefer higher deficit spending, then they are uh, discounting the expected uh, future liability of that uh, debt at a, a higher rate. So they're, they're saying that the interest rate is lower than the actual interest rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then three... Voters have finite lives. That's a really normal way to say that. (laughs) And they value the future tax liability during their life more than the liability on subsequent generations. So they're they're selfish and they're not thinking of their children. I was just going to say, like, I I, I read that in your notes when I was when I was looking at your notes earlier. Oh, you read my notes? That's so nice. I had to or else I would just have my ass out in the wind, you know. But (laughs) but I was like, I, I read that particular one. and It was exactly I was like, wow. Um this reagan era thing i already knew it was bad and i knew a lot of things about it but the voters have finite lives and they don't give a fuck about the future that really speaks to our generation now in terms of consequences because those people do they literally didn't give a fuck at least the powerful ones yeah they're just like yeah whatever you know these these are the same people who Uh, worsened the AIDS crisis by pretending yeah. that it didn't exist yeah, exactly. and also uh, global warming by yep. again pretending that it didn't exist exactly. so took solar panels off of the White House god damn and, and, and many of them are in Congress so, right now yes yeah yeah. Um, same people and they're saying that fucking people you know these, these voters are selfish they're not thinking mummies. about the future generation's tax liability it's bizarre. Really, they mean their children's tax liability yeah, exactly. they, they don't they're, care about anyone else's this is the classic thing with, with these kinds of um setups and like uh-huh. i know you're about to kind of get to it but like the people that sort of phrase studies this way where they're like well voters you know like they third party they're thinking like yeah. third person they're thinking um it's like, really just a cover fun- for what they think it's just exactly it's a projection of what they think so yeah. they're like well i don't give a shit about anybody else or the future right all i want is to like you know, especially economists because they're trained to think this way exactly. through school. Yeah, they're indoctrinated. Like yeah. people who I've I've actually talked to people before who were um, econ in undergrad. Like a friend of mine, well, an acquaintance of mine, who went to my same college, uh, and then I became a roommate of his later on. And he said that he was like, "Yeah, it was it was funny. I went into 
you know, I went to college and started my econ degree and I had all these like bright, shiny ideas about how to change and save the world. And I was like, cool. Yeah. And he's like, but then I learned all these things from economics. And so I stopped thinking that way. And I realized that it was all, and I was like, I, I think that's, yeah, that's just indoctrination. Like, yeah, yeah there are things that are bleak it's about the being world. being a cult actually. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> a cult, you know? Um, and and you can use all the fucking mathematical symbols you want, but it's still a fucking cult. Which they do love have to do. To have a god. Oh yeah, they, it's their favorite. They do that shit all the time. Like I've read through so many papers um, in grad school and and since then, where there's, you know, they get to some, like the midpoint of the paper usually, and there's a bunch of fucking equations. And, and like we've talked about how like absurd their graphs are, but like you're sitting there and you're like these equations are pulled out of your fucking ass. Like, I don't know what you're fucking talking yeah, about. If, and it's if, not because I'm dumb, and it's not because I don't know what you're saying. If you don't know how to read the equations, yeah. then, th- like, to to the average person, like, anyone who uses, like, these complex equations like this, they just, it looks like they're re- reading the words of the Bodhisattva. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, like, some weird holy relic with encrypted engraving and you're just like okay so this is some algorithm that you just invented yeah but because it's sufficiently complex nobody's gonna really investigate it because they only have so much time in their fucking day especially the way and and we'll get to this in a little bit but the way they write those like least least squares equations like there's no reason that they have to write them that way because like every term is like assumed but but it just makes it makes it look more complex yeah exactly and more impressive that there's like all this all of these like, different oh. things going in there like yep. wow look look at the complexity of the economy no one can understand it but yep. me and my yep. genius yep. peers yeah and even like basically within um non-mainstream economics uh, like heterodox economics marxian economics blah 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 like they talk about neoclassical as in mainstream economics is like the high priesthood right. of the economy because they they just kind of like talk in spells and riddles. And also, so I, I we just, just looked up Niskanen. Well, I, I opened the article <laughs> that we're reading, and it's uh, William A. Niskanen, Ford Motor Company, Dearborn, Michigan. Of course. Cool shit. Fucking of course. Yeah, so the title of this, in, in case anyone cares, is uh, Deficits, Government Spending, and Inflation. Yeah. What is the evidence? <laughs> I kind of wish it was, what is evidence? Right. And it was 1978. Yeah. And so, like, coming from, you know, the auto industry in the u.s in the late 70s it's not surprising that this guy would come up with some fucking bullshit yeah to try to make himself some money so this is supposed to be an empirical study and um so th- this is like right, the basic so back to the thing f- the, the basic setup of the study and it's pretty typical of empirical like most of the empirical studies i've read in economics i haven't read like a ton mm-hmm. but i've read like i've looked for empirical oh, yeah, it's, studies it's specifically and standard. they share like a set of characteristics so yep. Uh, step one is you reframe the problem as one of individual market preference. And uh, so the, the quote from here is perceived price of federal services. So this yep. is like um, the way that that deficit spending will affect the economy is based on what voters think of the change to the economy that we want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's the mm-hmm. perceived price of federal services. Um, so step two is use n- neoclassical microeconomic models to choose unobservable quantities quantities as the key piece of information to draw your conclusions. Mm -hmm. So he says federal deficits would increase federal spending if they reduced, if they reduce perceived tax price and there is a negative elasticity of demand. So he's looking for 
perceived tax price, which is unobservable, and yeah. negative elasticity of demand, which is just some made-up bullshit that economists created to make sense out of the disparity between empirical reality of prices uh-huh, uh-huh. and the supply and demand model. Yeah. Elasticity is a... Uh by design and also by definition a squishy term which like you said allows them to get away with fucking murder yeah almost literally murder because you know neglect and negligence in the economy but also like negative elasticity i'm i've never encountered this phrase before yeah so um does this mean that like so the extra rigid the demand is extra rigid. It's hard as um, fuck. So I, I, I never, I can never get it straight because it's, it's, it just doesn't make sense. So elasticity of demand basically means that. Um, so first of all, like all neoclassical models mm-hmm. are based on mm-hmm. Newtonian physics. Yep. So they just assume that the economy works as like a Newtonian physical system. Right. Um, so there's all kinds of terms that are, uh, you know, basically taken from Newtonian physics. So elasticity of demand is. Um, if demand goes up, then it's the rate at which price changes. And so negative elasticity of demand, I think means that, um, as well, let's see. So he's saying that federal deficits would increase federal spending if they reduce perceived tax price. So if the voters think that there is a lower, um, price on deficit spending, and um, there's a negative elasticity of demand. So, so that means that if as the price goes down, demand goes up. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's what mm-hmm. it's supposed to mean. I mean, it doesn't really matter because it's that's, that's it's the complete general nonsense. idea, no matter <laughs> what. But yeah, like this whole sentence is bizarre to yeah. me. Like federal well, this deficits, is how they talk. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, I, I've I've been there. Yeah, federal deficits would increase to federal spending if they're it's like it's it's an if based on two conditions perceived tax price which like you said is unobservable because perception is a fucking you you know mystery and um and then there's negative elasticity of demand okay so as price increases quantity demanded decreases okay which is fucking hilarious because you know oh my god my oxygen you yeah, know. so their example is as gas price goes up, the quantity of gas demanded will go down, which does not happen because right. people need a fixed amount of fucking gas. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Great example. <laughs> like every fucking story ever told is about people increasing their effort rather than their price to yeah. meet a scarce good. Right, you know? exactly. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Anyway. So speaking of nonsense, step three in the... Um, in the thrust of the study make uh, totally nonsensical assumptions to make it possible to solve your the equation that you created for x mm-hmm. so he says the unit cost of the bundle of federal services uh, is assumed right. to be constant with respect to the number of units supplied to each person so in other words he's saying that uh the more the government does uh it will cost the same like so if so if we have medicare for all if everyone is covered by a single waving yeah if, He's if everyone in the country waving. is covered by a single health care policy as opposed to multiple competing ones yep. then the cost will it's be the constant. same either way yeah yeah like, <laughs> um, okay and and then he goes on to say this assumption is critical because this approach his approach does not permit us estimating the tax price elasticity 
if C is a function of Q. So if cost is a function of quantity. Yep. So he's saying that like only under the condition that costs do not go down as production goes up. Uh, does any of this make sense? So right there, he's like invalidating his own fucking shit because that's another feature of one of the things about the government is uh, they can push prices down almost as much as they want because they're yep. the government and they're the ultimate Ex- arbiter exactly. of anything that happens they in the can economy. Just decide. <laughs> yep, that's uh, the point of having a fucking government. So step four is solve for X, and uh, step five is uh, that's it. Don't show any data, not even charts. Right. Just um, say a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, so his, his model here, uh, so he, he creates this supply function for money, which, um, first of all, (laughs) again, uh, like money is supply function for money is the amount of money that exists plus the amount of money that you issue. Exactly. Like he's, he's he's essentially using money as a constant where it is not. Yeah. Yeah. So the equation is the money supply equals, um, here this whole thing is a term one minus last year's real gnp growth minus last year's gnp inflation end of that term times last year's money supply plus federal deficit so in this equation the first term is the money supply growth rate which he constructs as the uh, rate of growth in total value minus the rate of growth in total inflation so value meaning like the so-called real production um, as opposed to like the production in in actual like money terms, um, which I I'm sure that I've mentioned this on the show repeatedly, but um, just to explain that a little bit. Uh, neoclassical economists think that uh, money and prices are just a reflection of real production, and that um, money values uh, and prices reflect the real. Uh, like values of of industry and that everything just fluctuates and and sometimes it doesn't exactly equal but in the long run um everything equals out so um he's saying that uh this this crazy thing uh is supposed to be the money supply for this year so what we issue um through deficit spending is supposed to match like the the real sector of actual industry um and and that's his equation so i guess i recommend looking at the show notes just so you can parse this a little bit better or just ignore it entirely yeah either way (laughs) (laughs) um so uh, as we said really the money the current money supply would just be last year's money supply uh plus the amount the government spent into the economy uh minus the amount the government taxed out of the economy so the last year's money supply uh plus the deficit um so uh, he finds that um, there's actually uh, no strong relation between um, deficit spending and inflation. So, yeah. Despite all his wrangling, <laughs> he's like, actually, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And Poor uh, bastard. This shit is great. Okay. So he, he concludes from this, even though he, he finds there is no strong relation, he concludes, mm-hmm. uh, these results are very suggestive, but not conclusive. The current money supply and the inflation rate may be a function of some distribution of the prior deficits operating through a lagged effect on interest rates and strongly held convictions on this matter should be taken seriously enough to explore these more complex relationships. Right. So in other words, he's saying that like, (laughs) okay, so 
uh, I tested this, and uh, the thing that I thought is not true at all. Yeah. But I really think that it is. Right, basically. So I think we should keep looking for yep. some way to say that it is. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's econ. <laughs> Which, uh, man, that is some genius shit oh yeah if it's like econ uh research like that is quote-unquote research (laughs) is like if if it agrees with their assumptions they're like they just like fucking blast it and if they don't think so then they say something like that like more research is needed like like that's like (laughs) that's the classic conclusion in so many econ papers is like more research is needed and you're like yeah I know more research is needed, you fucking dipshit. Like, well, that's also often, I think, a stand-in for, like, um, I didn't find the result that I was looking for, yeah, but if people yeah. keep looking for it, then we can make it happen. Right, exactly. Like, please don't fire me and or, yeah. you know, withhold my PhD. Yeah. Um, so I have a bunch of other studies that I can go through real quick, but um, yeah. I, I, I totally forgot about this MMT and inflation thing here. So, oh, hell yeah. Um, so just a little bit of the explanation for um, how MMT people say that um, inflation is supposed to work. I looked for empirical evidence from these guys to prove the case that um, inflation happens under the case that they say it does, but none mm-hmm. of them actually have it. So they have like empirical evidence for other stuff that they talk about, but not this. They just assume that this is true. So this is Warren Mosler. He's a uh, professor, strong MMT advocate for decades now. Um, he's one of the authoritative uh, voices in MMT. Um, so I'm just going to read his, his words directly. Um, in no case must the government fund itself in dollars. Spending is limited by what is offered for sale, not by revenues. Taxes function to create a need for dollars, so the government can use dollars to purchase real goods and services. Borrowing functions to allow excess dollars created by deficit spending to earn a positive rate of interest. Deficits pose no funding risk since borrowing need take place only after spending and only to support and maintain a desired interest rate. So he's saying that like right. you can spend at a deficit and it doesn't like you don't even need to borrow except to get an interest rate uh, to like get more money. Right. Exactly. Uh, borrowing is like it's like getting support from an existing institution outside of yourself in order to reinforce your uh, I guess monetary power of sorts yeah so their whole thing is like if they Mm -hmm. if the government uh creates too many dollars then it'll issue treasury bonds and people will buy the treasury bonds and then the treasury bonds will later uh yield a higher amount than what they were uh what the person paid for them right um so uh interest rates and prices are subject to exogenous control by the issuer of the currency there's no evidence that Uh, government understands this paradigm government budgeting assumes the paradigm that dollars must be raised through taxing or borrowing to fund uh expenditures at market prices the monopolist the government has decided to let market forces price its product dollars therefore it must constrain the quantity of spending to maintain sufficient unemployment and excess capacity to prevent a decline in the value of its product which is dollars and the decline in the value of its product is inflation Mm -hmm. um so this is kind of a kind of a, a hybrid between the quantity theory of money, which is like this insane thing that supply and demand uh, applies to money. Like money has its own price, right? Even though money is the measure of prices, right? So it can't possibly have a, a price itself, right? Because it's the thing that measures it, and that um, issuing too many dollars lowers the price of money, 
uh, based on it, uh, what's it called? Um, there being too much money chasing too few goods is right, the way that people phrase curve, it. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 money versus price of money thing seems like uh, it's literally like a, a calculative distance um, between the supply demand orthodoxy and yeah. the kind of almost like more MMT thought of like, well, it's just there and you can make it and you can just will it into being if it's there. You know, right. I think what it really yeah. is, is so <clears throat> economists have been saying for, you know, centuries that mm-hmm. prices are based on supply and demand. Right. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the evidence shows that uh, prices just increase constantly over time. Right. Because forever. everybody's always increasing prices. Yeah. And so yeah. since supply and demand can't explain the actual level of prices because they can increase continuously over time. And right. that would mean that we are continuously behind on, yep. uh, you know, fulfilling all the demand that, that exists. Yep. So they say that, um, okay, well, the price levels are increasing constantly. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I guess the thing that fixes that is that uh, money itself has a price and the price of money has gone down. Right. Uh, because right. we're just continually spending too much money into circulation. Right, and and they're again creating or excuse me, treating uh, money as a commodity or a good or whatever, and so yeah. they think like it is both the signifier and the thing to be bought, right? You know, and and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's weird because, um, you know, that makes sense under like a a, a commodity theory of money, where right. money is just a special commodity that is in relation to other things valuable Mm -hmm. and that we just decided as a standard Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. this is what we're going to use to trade yep but under like a total like fiat understanding of money like Mm -hmm. i don't really see how it makes sense at all yeah um there's a there's a comment that that might illustrate what what they're thinking here um that i pulled here it was um inflation's uh, side cut <laughs> inflations occur when more money flows into the uh, central pool than there are goods and services to absorb them at current prices okay if money enters endlessly hyperinflation can occur right deflations occur when there is less money in the pool to clear all the goods and services produced at current prices mm-hmm. prices fall to clear the goods Wages are reduced as businesses cut back, laying work, laying off workers because of lowering demand. Debtors suffer because their debts do not fall with the increase in value of the money. I love how that last statement just treats everyone like a variable in a math equation and yes. not like human beings who have needs and should be served. They're, they're you know, yeah. 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 And and the whole thing of that... Um, makes no sense because if money increases in value then they need less of it to fulfill their current needs right so like oh. uh, it actually improves their st- situation because then they have more to service their debts in relation <laughs> to what they would have needed before right so they're not actually thinking about that very hard but so it's like everyone who everyone who's in a bad situation should just hoard like a nominal amount of dollars you know yeah. like a dollar a single if you're dollar in debt, bill, just wait just hide because it. then inflation will right. happen and you'll right. be more able you'll to pay be it so off. wealthy yeah like you know how debt becomes easier to pay off as you wait <laughs> <laughs> right right um just have unaccounted dollars and you'll be fine yeah um and uh what are you saying with uh clear all the goods and services there's this thing called market clearing in economics which is um that's part of the whole supply and demand thing. Right. Yep. So I think that relates to 
not Say's Law. There's some other law that supposedly, um, like, supply and demand works because there's a certain amount of mar- uh, goods that are on the market and businesses need to get rid of them all. Yep. So they will raise or lower prices in order to get rid of all the goods that currently exist on the market. Yeah, which is hilarious. So again, wrong. ignoring time entirely. <laughs> There's so many things. <laughs> ignoring power. <laughs> wrong with all that. sorts of yeah, all sorts yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then also, <laughs> also he's saying that money just goes into this big pool. And yeah, which is hilarious. And that's well. what's used to pay for yeah. goods and services. It yeah. doesn't go to specific people in the economy. It goes to a giant yeah. pool yeah. that we this all is, observe and know is, about the size this, of. This is literally like. Uh, a, a a a capitalist theory with unconsciously socialist presumptions. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's just a pool in the middle that everyone's kind of aware of, and you're like, that's, <laughs> but that's fucking socialism. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Even though I agree with the MMT theory, the the chartalist part. I basically agree with chartalism <laughs> and I don't think chartalism mm-hmm. has this weird inflation shit. Um, but let's, let's go through a couple more studies about inflation and see, maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Who knows? Um, we'll find out tonight. All right. So here's another study. Um, I think this was from the eighties. This is, uh, Genaros and all, a all and all at all at all, whatever. Fucking Latin. Latin sucks. Genaros and other people. <laughs> um, quote, we are unable to report a significant direct effect of the budget deficits on inflation in the great majority of the countries examined. No. Okay. Um, in other words, didn't find <laughs> shit. Shabir and Ahmed quote, based on data for Pakistan for fiscal years, 1971 to 1972 and 1987 to 1988. Quote, in summing up, we would simply repeat that the principal purpose of the conference board's second report, Crozier 1976B, was to re-examine the evidence as to whether or not deficit financing was one of the initiating factors in Canada's inflation. We are satisfied that it was not. So, uh, three against, one for. Uh, um, okay, there's another study by the Minneapolis Fed. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, it cites some other studies um, that I'll talk about in a second and um, just kind of spends a lot of time saying that those studies are right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they cite studies on Europe in the 20s. Mm-hmm. A, a famously, the 1920s. Yeah, the 1920s, ah, the famously yes, politically stable period yes. where everything was, everything know, going was just really golden well. and peachy and... There were yeah. no armed gangs. When, when things were exactly like they are right now. political parties. Yeah, yeah. when things were like now. <laughs> well, when things were like the mature form of what is going on now. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they also cite two South American countries that experienced high inflation after... Um, well, I, I can't quite read this because it's crossed mm, out. Um, something like... A, they did a lot of deficit spending, I think. Uh, yeah. that's, that's what I wrote. Um, I think it says... Um, after a military dictatorship took over those countries. No. 
world. No, that doesn't happen in South America. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that happened. No. So um, not possible. Okay, and then they they look at uh, one country empirically. They like they come up with this model, and then they look at one country <laughs> empirically, uh, which Just is the one. U.S. Uh, which, which, uh, Jesus according Christ. to them, is not a good example uh, oh uh, because God. there was only one so, <laughs> instance that they could look at of the thing that they're looking for, which is like a a change in deficit policy. Uh, um, so only one example of a change in federal deficit policy uh-huh, in the U.S. Uh-huh. that they could observe, and then they conclude uh, empirical evidence supports the proposition that higher deficit policies increase inflation. All right, so uh, yeah, uh, so it's about even now, yeah, I right, think. Right, right, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Okay, and so there's these other studies they mm-hmm. they cite. Uh, Harburger, pretty stupid name in my opinion. Um, it's a study of of a South American country uh, at a certain time. Um, th- that would be uh, Chile in the 1970s. So uh, this would be another example <laughs> of. The years immediately following a uh, coup where a U.S.-backed military <laughs> dictator deposed a democratic socialist president mm-hmm. and then implemented a business-friendly regime. Right, um, right. And during the uh, years immediately after the coup, uh, there was inflation and high deficits. So right. um, very conclusive evidence there. Um, and then the other study that they cite is McKinnon, uh, which is a study of, of two other countries. Um Chile in the 1970s <laughs> again and Argentina in the 1970s. So, yeah, oh, by yeah. the way, uh, in Argentina in the 70s, there was another military dictatorship uh, that took over. Uh, and and uh, yeah, they also were, what do you liberalized the economy. Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So uh, under the condition of a military dictatorship and high deficit spending, uh-huh, yes, there uh-huh. is indeed inflation. Okay, I'll, which is, I will which concede is interesting, that. Which is interesting. Um, yeah, and yeah. then I have one final study here. Um, this is from the St. Louis Fed. This is a very recent one. I think it's, uh, yeah, 2016. Okay. So this, this should compile all the evidence from all the studies prior to this and, um, you know, really come up with a, uh, a really conclusive one way or the other answer. And they say, across the board... We find almost no effect of government spending on inflation. For example, in our benchmark specification, we found that a 10% increase in government spending led to an 8 basis point decline in inflation. Moreover, the effect is not statistically different from zero. (laughs) By the way, 8 basis points means 8 hundredths of a point. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Also, their, their statement, moreover, the effect is not statistically different from zero. What they're saying is, there is no effect. <laughs> we found nothing. <laughs> and this is the St. Louis Fed. Like, this is shit that I had to use for my brief tenure as an economist. Yeah. Where you're like, well, what does the St. Louis Fed say? And you go and you look at their fucking graphs and you're like, that's the final fucking word, literally, in American economics. Yeah. Um, there's another article. I don't remember how recent it is. Um, I think it's recent yeah Mm -hmm. it's from today actually so it's by one of my favorite dipshits um Mm. noah smith uh at no opinion on twitter Uh and um so he talks about mmt and uh he's talking about how oh oh uh mmt people say uh, deficits don't matter well um actually they do matter to americans so you're gonna have to contend with that okay um so noah talks about this a lot he loves to cite this uh this thing from i don't remember what it's called like the peter griffin institute some shit like that um Mm. some think tank that's 
you know, funded with dark money to produce exactly <laughs> the sort of things that he can right. cite in his articles. Right. Um, and they created this fiscal confidence index, which is a survey um, that asks voters, how much do you care about the national debt? And what do you think about about how, what the national debt is like right now and whether or not the president's doing a good job on it and stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to them, um, Americans actually really care about the national debt. Mm. which mm. reflects, you know, my observations of, of normal people, you know, uh, the few uh, moments that we spend talking about politics. They're all <laughs> all about the national debt. They're always talking about oh, it. Yeah. They're always saying, man, this national debt, ah. I know exactly the number that it's at right now, oh. and it's just too damn high. And uh, that's my primary concern is the national debt. It's in my top three for I, sure. I lie awake at night. Yeah, they lie awake thinking about it. They thinking dream about, about it. it. They have nightmares about it. Just... <laughs> national debt how could how could we be so nationally careless how could we be so fiscally irresponsible yeah in in political polling in particular i mean like specifically political polling um this is fairly common where they're like look at our study look at our survey yeah and and you're like okay and because because under normal circumstances if you can even imagine such a thing when you try to do a survey, some kind of thing where there's a sample size of minimum 30 people because that's the lowest you can go in order yeah. to get anything meaningful in stats, they are just kind of, many many of these studies are just kind of looking for a bunch of people across a population somewhere. Capital N is the variable you use for that population, the maximum population uh, that you're getting. And then... Uh, what small n is is something within that anyway the sample so, size yeah the sample yeah. size exactly and <clears throat> and so um many of these po- politically driven surveys and 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 studies will go into the quote unquote population and you're assuming that they are uh proportionally distributed of course big n as in the total population because you want them to be right like you want the study to be fair yeah. and equitable but in many many cases not all but many cases the small n the sample size that they're studying in particular is selected from say like a borough of New York City or like I joked about Martha's Vineyard or like fucking Dallas Texas, which has nothing to do with almost any other country at all, you know, and they're just like, that's the sample size we got. That's where we're going to university or that's where we got the funding or whatever the fuck it is. And then they come up with these conclusions and then they broadcast it. And of course, anybody who thinks those are the results I want because they uh, support my point or my agenda, they will blast that across the fucking world because they say, basically that um it's scientific in its minimum definition and it gives me the conclusions that i want to go by uh and 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 so when you look at a study you got to look at the sample size you got to look at the location of the of the of the survey population etc 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 and so that confidence index is something that you got to like really take a glance at. So Ryan just pulled up the Peter G. Peterson Foundation. Yeah, so the, the fiscal confidence index is created by the Peter G. Peterson Foundation. 
um, which is a American foundation established in 2008 by Peter G. Peterson, former U.S. Secretary of Commerce in the Nixon administration, oh, Nixon. and co-founder of dude. the Blackstone Group, Ooh, an American Blackstone. financial services company. <laughs> Hmm, I wonder if a multinational private equity <laughs> asset management and financial services firm would have uh-huh. any conflicting interests with there being, uh, you know, uh, a, a ever-expanding national debt created by uh, spending into social programs. I don't know. I'm not sure. And, uh, yeah, another thing I found, um, what was it? Oh, no, I think I just saw the name and I thought that was funny. Peter G. Peterson. Oh, yeah. It's a really stupid name, I think. I mean... Even worse than that other one that I've made fun of. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, so another thing about these these things is... Um, you know, if you have... Um, if you have a business... Which, not, I count nonprofits as businesses. So even if this is a oh, nonprofit, yeah. it's yeah. a fucking business. Uh any organization that needs to get funding and whose funding is based on doing a task. Um, so if you're a business that is uh, getting survey data yep. and you're being paid by certain people, um, those people that are paying you will want you to come to certain conclusions. Exactly. Especially exactly. Uh, if you're going to do one study a month every year for uh, you know, 20 years or so. Um, That's the problem with having money in politics. Yeah. And uh, so this organization's revenue is uh, $95 million mm-hmm. a year. Um, I'm guessing so that's 90, very high. I'm guessing 90 of those millions go to Peter G. Peterson. Uh, well, um, so their expenses in 2014 were uh, 32 million dollars so they're actually okay. so um, 55 so not, of not those quite million. 90 <laughs> <laughs> yeah not not quite give them some credit okay uh, uh-huh. uh what's what's an endowment again what is that donation so they, they got an endowment of a billion dollars mm. that's that's cool um i wonder where they got that probably the Koch brothers oh it's from uh, peter g peterson himself so oh, okay. uh this guy is a billionaire <laughs> yep so he committed a billion dollars to create this foundation um yeah, dedicated to addressing economic and fiscal, quote, sustainability challenges that threaten America's future. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, he created this foundation to right. prove that people care about the national debt and yeah. that the national debt is bad. Pretty much. Um, sustainability challenges such as, um, like, a, a rising left wing among the labor population. Yeah. Or so, I wonder who, who created the, because uh, I remember this national debt clock. <laughs> who created this? That's what I want to know. I wonder if it's, it's like any an relation action here. movie bit. The yeah. national dead clock. Like, yeah. Like a dystopian. Right. Starring like something, Biff something Robocop. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Okay. Seymour Durst. Um, so in this, uh, in this article by uh, Noah Smith, uh, he writes, um, the central argument that the U.S. government doesn't really have a budget constraint and thus that taxes are never needed to pay for federal spending is simple enough to grasp. Again, he's talking about MMT. So uh, basically, it's because the government can print dollars whenever it wants. <laughs> and then he goes on to create a scenario uh, where uh, he's right. So he says, right. suppose the government decides to pile up infinite amounts of debt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to read on past that because like... <laughs> Just suppose. Yeah, let's suppose uh, that let's, I'm right about how money works yeah. and not MMT people, and that uh, they do what MMT people are saying that mm-hmm. they should do. 
Um, right. And then they create this huge, crazy dead pile of oh debt. Oh, my gosh. What do you think is going to happen? Ah. What do you think is going to happen, MFT people? <laughs> Why don't you get back to M- uh, Econ 101 there, buddy? <laughs> um, so he... Uh, he's, it's oh, the okay. He does, he does then say, uh, instead of raising taxes to pay the interest on the debt, uh, the government could simply borrow more in order to cover those interest payments. Hmm. Oh, well. Oh, borrow more. Yeah. 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 This is missing the point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, so later on in the article, he says, um, low interest rates and large levels of quantitative easing haven't led to much inflation, either in the US, Japan, or Europe, as inflation hawks had warned it would. So, I'm um, kind of undermining one of the big arguments that he wants to make. But just because inflation remains subdued doesn't mean it couldn't rise suddenly, especially if businesses which set prices decided the U.S. government has embarked on a course of infinite monetary infinite. finance deficit spending. In fact, inflation might have remained so low in spite of quantitative easing precisely because businesses believed that fed independence and the treasury's fiscal prudence meant that quantitative easing and big deficits would eventually end oh shit oh my so god so he acknowledges that there is evidence of government spending huge amounts of money into the economy while causing no inflation but actually it was because of fiscal prudence uh, yeah. that inflation didn't prudence. happen while the fed had a, fo- a policy of fiscal imprudence yeah <laughs> I love terms like prudence <laughs> because they don't mean fucking shit. Yeah. Well, that's my term, so thanks a lot. Still. <laughs> but no, I've, you know, I mean, we've heard terms like that. Prudence, like austerity, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, austerity. And you're like, oh, that's so good because it means like discipline. And you're like, no, actually, it means starving poor people. That's what it means. And, and so forth and so on. And and he's just saying like, well, you know, if you just let people have whatever they need, then they'll have whatever they need and things will be messy for me or somebody. <laughs> That's basically the argument, but he's very vague about it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and the reason that uh, quantitative easing, mm-hmm. which is which means spending billions and billions of dollars <laughs> into the economy to give to rich people for free. Yep. Um, the reason that didn't cause inflation is because actually um you know because of the policy of not doing that businesses would just who you know businesses are classically um as everyone knows they are um you know they always uh look into the future mm-hmm. like way far into the future mm-hmm. and, and think mm-hmm. about how things are going to be um you know how how things might come to an end right how yeah. how the gravy train might stop rolling good old that's what they're always businesses. thinking about is yes um, yes and and so because of that, uh, that's why they didn't uh, raise prices. Which yeah. it's funny to me that um, he acknowledges, like, oh yeah, inflation is definitely caused by businesses setting higher prices. <laughs> that's yeah. the one thing yeah. he gets right. Yes, but then he gets the whole other shit wrong. Yep. So, um, so I would say that uh, top three uh, galaxy brain uh, economists. Uh, that we've covered so far. Number one is Niskanen with... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, we didn't find the result we want, but if we yeah, keep right. looking, we'll find it. But if we phrase things in a very special way. We have convictions. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Uh, and number two is is uh, Noah Smith. Um, number three, Josh Barrow. And an honorable mention, uh, as always, for uh, our favorite, Matt Brunig. Oh, yes. <laughs> Matt uh, Galaxy Brain. There. Um, <laughs> 
So that's that's all I really had on this. So uh, mm. my my conclusion is uh, obviously deficit spending does not cause inflation. Inflation is caused by businesses raising prices. Oh wait, no, I do yeah. have one more thing to add. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Tying it into capitalist power. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the parts in capitalist power was uh, this this very idea that um, that inflation is caused by too many dollars chasing too few goods. And so uh, Bitcoin and Song looked at that. <laughs> and uh, so what they did was uh, they looked at the rate of growth and uh, then they put it next to the rate of inflation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, don't, I, I don't remember if they, I don't think they used the GDP growth rate. I should have looked this up. I thought of it, but I, then I forgot. Um, I think they might use something else for the growth rate. But basically, um, they compare the rate of growth to the rate of inflation and they find that actually... Uh, inflation happens the most when growth is very low mm-hmm. um, because what happens when growth is high is um, lots of new businesses are forming. So businesses are mainly doing mergers and acquisitions, right? That's how they grow um, their market cap right. much faster than yeah. any other method because yeah. it's, it's much easier to grow a business by buying existing businesses right. than it is to grow a business by raising prices, which nobody right. likes. Yeah. Um, and then, so when growth is low, when they can't do mergers and acquisitions anymore, uh, you know, they're not about to miss out on growth for their own business just right. because everyone else is not growing. So that's when they engage in the most inflation. So this idea that uh, inflation is when there's too much money chasing too few goods that just doesn't match reality at all. Yeah. And then there's all these studies to back that up as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's also a, a study that I link constantly on twitter you've probably seen it it's from um uh institute for new economic thinking inet oh yeah and they they looked at a bunch of different countries and they looked at rapid increases in the money supply oh yeah and then they uh they compared that with the rate of inflation and they found that uh rapid increases in money supply do not cause inflation so yeah yeah yeah. there's so much evidence against this (laughs) uh but everyone just assumes that that it, the correct thing is like what everyone is saying. It's just mm-hmm. mm-hmm. crazy to me. And um, I would say that the reason I think this is important, uh, a like there's a clear uh, implication of uh, modern monetary theory that there is no real constraint on spending right. that we know of right. that anyone has proposed. The only one that has that is included in this theory is bullshit. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing is like uh, inflation is one of the primary methods of redistribution to capitalists. Yeah. So that whole, uh, everyone's familiar with that chart where, um, productivity has been increasing continuously since 1900. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And wages, uh, stop increasing around 1974. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, the thing about that is that it's real wages and real wages, uh, are inflation adjusted. Yep. Yep. And the reason for that is prices go up, so everything becomes more expensive. Right. So if your wages don't increase at the same rate as inflation does, then your wages aren't really increasing. Exactly. And they could even be decreasing. Oh, yeah. Um, so basically, because you're paying more for the same good um, while you're not making more money yep. to afford that, yep. you are redistributing your your money is being redistributed from you to business owners exactly yeah i had a i had a an experience of this where this is actually one of the times 
in my life, one of the earliest times in my life where I went from having a general social uh, leftism to a specifically economic leftism uh-huh. and, and began to think about it that so way. So before you were socially liberal, fiscally conservative, our R- favorite thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly, exactly. I was like, I was like, you know, um, I, I, yeah, I was. Or is it more you just didn't care? Well, it was, the, it, the was, economic, it was more you, kind of you didn't a, realize that it was how important it was. I didn't realize that they were connected in that way. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, right. And I think that's one of the issues. I think that's the main thing that, that's that the people main thing. have. Yeah. yeah. Because people have been essentially uh, sort of diseducated or shut out of the education that they need to realize that like the so- social, political, and economic are all the same right. issues, right? And even if you do care Expressed about politics, you're variables. not like the people that are talking about it, they, they never exactly. mention any of that shit. Exactly. Because they're exactly. all rich. They because, don't care. Exactly. It's engineered to, to sort of stay out of yeah. that. And so, you know, <clears throat> like I would have cons- um, considered myself more of a libertarian for a long time, even though I had specifically Marxian impulses, um, such as like, I was, I was always, ever since I was a kid, I was like, you know, anti-class and stuff like that. But in terms of like liberties, you know, like you don't necessarily have to be coherent in your thinking to have political opinions. And that's one of the problems, you know, as, as, as human beings go so through did life. You think, did you think of class as some people have more stuff than me or some people control everything it was more about power like control okay yeah um and i didn't connect the dots with between that and wealth until later um but i also believed that um you know things like uh, uh money should be more evenly distributed but like not necessarily by much and right. so yeah okay. so so i was i was more of so like it's kind a, of unfair but you right, know exactly i was like kind well of fair. it's you know I, I was coming from a conservative outlook right. in my past and so i was like well th- these things are inevitable as opposed to these things are everyone artificial. thinks it's natural that doctors exactly. make more than janitors right exactly yeah. and then you're like well, they should minute, make too much more than janitors yeah, yeah. yeah janitors should still have an okay life right exactly yeah, yeah. So I was at this job where like I was slaving away from this company. This was years ago. Um, and the company, I knew that the company was not exactly fair in their dealings. And this is where I began to be a little more cognizant of like how the managerial class actually works because the managerial class at this company was basically, uh, they just kind of had the run of the mill and they would treat people not like necessarily in a bullying way, but they would they would kind of be like they would disregard what you needed and they would like treat you like oh you're off the clock if you're out of your seat and you're like motherfucker i just saved your ass you know like i just made sure that the business is still running so stuff like that and so bosses hate it when you uh do something good and then decide to reward yourself with a little break yeah right exactly (laughs) and i was just like whoa whoa, whoa." like these assholes really think that if i'm not at my desk i'm not working and also that like by being away from my desk somehow even though it's the work day i'm not producing value for the company right yeah so then then at the end of the first year at this company i was there for nearly three years but at the end of the first year right i went from making uh 16 an hour which to me at the time was decent because i'd come from the midwest and i was in seattle and i didn't really know any better so 16 in Seattle is like nothing. It's like fucking dirt, right? And that was back in like 2013, 2012. So we get our yearly raise and the non uh you know, the non-managerial employees 
at the company they don't make a bonus at all okay. right and they and they make a raise and my manager comes to me you know and she's like so um after review uh, you did really well this year and you get a raise of 50 cents and i was like what <laughs> and i was like livid i was livid and see I, in my mind i'm thinking back to my yeah. wage jobs i'm like yeah. that, that's pretty good dude <laughs> well no i and i've made jobs like you know where i was making eight dollars an hour and yeah. 50 cents is good you know but i was like 50 cents and I, it did take me a minute you know what sucks though to is when be you, outraged because when you get that raise yeah. and then you calculate how many yeah. dollars a year that actually translates to yeah. and you're like what the fuck this, what the fuck i could have like stolen that yeah, yeah. like <laughs> I, I mean it'll help but it's not yeah much yeah exactly and and then I I went to some of the other uh, members of my team. It's like forty dollars a paycheck, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, like I said, I literally could have fucking robbed that from a fucking you know school bus. Yeah, you know, if everybody <laughs> just shakes out their pockets, you know. And you know, I go I go every week to rob a school bus, <laughs> and I get at least forty dollars. At least forty, <laughs> right? So so I go to my I go to my teammates, and I was like, uh, so we just got a raises, and they're like yeah and you can already see their their cross and they're pissed and i was like um so we only got 50 cents and they're like what the fuck you got 50 cents and i was like yeah and i couldn't tell what they were saying so i was like yeah 50 cents that's bullshit and i was like wait you got more and they're like no we got 25 and i was like what the fuck (laughs) what the fuck so Man, I feel so many feelings. <laughs> so, uh, in conclusion, uh, money is fake. Yeah, and nothing. You just is create real. as much of it as you want. Yeah, because pretty much. Yeah. The only thing that money means is money is a token to mobilize a subjugated worker of a state. Yep. And you can create as many of them as you want because they don't actually represent anything at all. Exactly. Um, they they have no relation to. The number of resources that exist, they have no relation to the number of FTEs in the economy. Yeah. We, could, we could create. It's all fake. If it if all it costs if it cost a billion dollars to mobilize every single person in the U.S. for forty hours a week, fifty two weeks a year, and we created a trillion dollars instead, yep, it wouldn't fucking matter. It wouldn't fucking matter. It wouldn't do anything. It does Be not like, necessarily oh, cost there's inflation. that many dollars. Well, fucking, they're just sitting around. Yeah, yeah inflation matter. is caused by doesn't businesses raising prices yep. in order to continue growing when they are in times of low growth or mm-hmm. when they feel like it mm-hmm. or when mm-hmm. other businesses raise prices yep. um, or when what the fuck ever. Yeah, when there's a war or a yeah. war. When their costs go up and they need to offset that to maintain the same profit margin. Pretty much, and yeah. 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 Or... You know, really important and relevant for us is uh, when a, a U.S.-backed CIA coup uh, deposes your uh, democratically elected leader and installs a military junta who mm-hmm. is uh, friendly to U.S. business interests. Yeah, but as we know, that's only science fiction, and that has never happened yeah. before. But it would happen if we tried to do Medicare for all. So that's the important right. thing. Yeah, that's, that, that is uh, the important Medicare thing. Medicare for all yeah. would cause yeah. just wild inflation. We can't do it because yeah, it costs too much definitely. money. So sorry, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to just die. Yep. Just unfortunately, uh, if, you, if you get cancer or stub your toe, either way, really. Rest in peace to you yeah. and also rest in peace to Lil Peep. Yep. That's right. <laughs> uh, I think that's it for us. Uh, 
Gonna call it a night. Yeah. Bye. Bye.